pulled me over and lied about what he heard. Just wanted to see. You know, I didn't have any license plate, and, but I did have papers. Where do you get this car? I want it. You want it? Yeah. How'd you do that? And I said, well, I won it uh, in the World Series. And he looked and he puzzled. He says, you, you're, I said, that's right. He says, could I have? I said, no, you can't have anything. If you're through with me, I gotta go. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Gibson died Friday at the age of 84. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch was the first to have the story, reporting that Gibson died under hospice care in Omaha. He had been battling pancreatic cancer for more than a year. Less than a month ago, Gibson's longtime teammate, Cardinals great Lou Brock, also died. Gibson's honors are many. He was a two-time World Series champion in 1964 and 1967, a two-time Cy Young Award winner, a National League MVP, a nine-time All-Star, and much more. He ranks first among Cardinals pitchers in wins, games started, complete games, shutouts, innings pitched, strikeouts, and ERA. We had the chance to talk with Bob Gibson on this show in 2015. He'd just come out with a new book, Pitch by Pitch, My View of One Unforgettable Game. It told the story of the first game of the 1968 World Series against the Detroit Tigers when Gibson struck out 17 batters. We first asked Gibson why he chose to focus on that first game of a series that the Cardinals ultimately lost in Game 7. The World Series is probably the most important time of anybody's career, not just that year, but anybody's career. And that's what you aim for at the beginning of the season to get into the World Series. And to have that and pitch to one of the best games of your entire career at the time when it was the most important, I thought it was just nice to tell that story. The strikeouts weren't that important to me at the time. I think probably they're, it's a little nicer now than it was then. But that's not what you really aim for. What you aim for is to win the ball game. And I was about to win the ball game, and that was a little more important. And I always liked to pitch. Uh, I, I didn't like to waste a lot of time. And when Tim came running out uh, behind home plate, I had to stop. And, and that, I was driving me crazy. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it over with. Tim, of course, is Cardinals catcher Tim McCarver. They were paired for nearly 200 games and became close friends. Well, McCarver uh, started out as a problem as far as uh, the race was concerned. Mm -hmm. And to see him go from who he was to who he became was just wonderful. And not just him, though. You know, I did a lot of growing up myself. Mm -hmm. Because I was ready to, I was very combative. And uh, when I thought that somebody was not treating me well, you know, we, you might have a fight on your mm-hmm. hand. And he turned out to be a wonderful individual. I just, I, I adore him. President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act in 1964, just a few years before that season. Discrimination remained rampant. And when we talked to Gibson in 2015, only a few months had passed since a Ferguson police officer shot and killed Michael Brown. Gibson said he didn't have a full grasp of that incident. He did address discrimination and police behavior more broadly. I have yet to figure out how, how the, the police can get away with some of the stuff they do 
and just saying it was uh, in the line of duty. Um, I, I remember once, and it wasn't like Ferguson, but I was. I like to drive a motorhome. That's what I do. August Bush gave me a motorhome when I retired. Mm-hmm. And I was driving through California with Gene Gieselman and his girlfriend and me and my girlfriend. And there was a cop just following us. He got behind the motorhome. He just followed us. And after about 10 minutes or so, he pulled me over. And uh, I got out and asked him what, what was wrong. He says, uh, I noticed that you only have one license plate. And it's on the back. It's not on the front. I said, well, I'm from Nebraska. And it doesn't require two, it's just one. On the front, I had a license plate that had two cardinals on it. And I thought, why is this guy stopping me? Why is he stopping me? And the only thing I come up with was harassment, period. It, it will happen. I've had several things. I've had a, When I won the MVP of the World Series in 1964, and, and that was before they had the interstates finish here, I was driving to Omaha, and I was going through one of those little small towns in Missouri. A guy pulled me over and said that he had a, a report that somebody had stolen a car just like that, the, the Corvette that they gave me for winning the MVP of the World Series. Pulled me over and lied about what he heard. Just wanted to see. You know, I didn't have any license plate, and, but I did have papers. And where do you get this car? I won it. You won it? Yeah. How'd you do that? And I said, well, I won it uh, in the World Series. And then he looked and he puzzled. He said, you're, you're, I said, that's right. And he said, could I have? I said, no, you can't have anything. If you're through with me, I got to go. But see, those kinds of things happen. It still happens. And so, but I don't know, sometimes some of the guys do some things to cause some problems. And I say some of the guys, some black people do things to cause problems with the police. Some don't. I would imagine the majority don't. But to see it happen is not surprising. Bob Gibson spent his entire 17-year career with the Cardinals. That was, of course, before free agency was part of the game. And despite all of his success, some of Gibson's most vivid memories are of when he failed for example, the last game he ever pitched in 1975. The one I remember most vividly is the last home run hit off of me. Uh, I never threw another pitch after that. It happened to be with, against the Chicago Cubs. Pete LeCock, I was coming out of the bullpen. Red put me in the bullpen the last week and a half or two. I wasn't pitching at all. They wanted the young kids to pitch, and I made a huge mistake by telling uh, the organization at the beginning of the season that this was going to be my last season. Mm-hmm. If I had to do it all over again, I would never do that. But when I told them that I was going to quit, then they they start easing up on letting me start, and they start mm-hmm. pitching the kids. So uh, I came in down in Houston. I'll remember this. And it was about, mm, about 10 days or 12 days left in the season. And Red says, we, we're out of pitchers. Would you pitch the 10th inning against Houston? And I said, yeah, I'll pitch. So I came out of the bullpen in the 11th, and I struck out three guys with nine pitches, nine fastballs, didn't try to throw anything else. And Red says, hmm. Two days, three days later, I pitched in Pittsburgh, and I pitched five innings in relief. And then two days later, he brought me in here in St. Louis. I came in with the bases loaded, Pete LeCock hitting, and he hit a home run. 
I and it was the ball game was over after that. Uh, we we did hit in the bottom half of the inning, but when I walked off of the mound, I went in to the clubhouse, took a shower, and went home. After his playing career, Gibson went home to Omaha. He served on the board of a bank and started a restaurant. He returned to the game as a coach a few years later and coached for three teams, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, and the Cardinals. The Cardinals remained his baseball home. He continued his long association with the team as a special advisor. I call myself a celebrity coach. I don't do anything. <laughs> they have parties, and I attend the parties. I like to have a little cocktail every once in a while. But I, uh, I, uh, for a while, I was going to spring training. Every spring, I would spend the entire time down there, not necessarily coaching, but being available just in case some of the guys want to ask me some questions, just to be there. And now it's it's pretty much the same. But I don't go down to spring training that often. I'm Got a few years behind me, and it gets a little bit tough. I've had a couple of knees replaced, and right now I need an ankle replaced, but I'm not going to get it done. But uh, just being around, and uh, one thing the Cardinals are good for uh, is keeping some of the old guys around and letting the young players ask questions or just to see who they are, and the Cardinals are outstanding with that. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that won't do that. I think we are probably the best, maybe along with the Yankees or, or the Dodgers, but uh, you hear about us because that's what they do. When he played the game, Gibson was known for intimidating his opponents. Batters feared him, and his record-setting season ERA in 1968 of 1.12 is proof of that. That record stands today. Gibson talked to us about that so-called intimidation factor. The, the intimidation, as far as I'm concerned, is not me intimidating you. It's you being intimidated by me. I think it's uh, within the beholder of what's going on because my idea was not to intimidate. Uh, my idea was to win and to be good at what I did. And uh, I'm glad it worked out that way. I'm glad they were intimidated by me, but that really wasn't what I was trying to do. All I was trying to do was win. Now, my personality happens to be uh, the the type of personality that I didn't I didn't smile a lot. I, I didn't talk a lot to people on the other teams, and maybe that's intimidating. Well, so be it. Uh, but it wasn't something I sat home and thought about. I think today I'm gonna go out and growl at somebody. Uh, and I probably did growl, but it wasn't something that I, I, I wanted to do. It was just the way I was. Gibson said he only became aware that he was intimidating after his career. You know, people say, well, you did this and you did that. And, you, and I hear stories. I hear stories that are bigger now than they were when I was playing. I heard once that uh, uh, Mike Schmidt, he happened to hit his first major league home run off of me. And uh, I went over to third base, and as he rounded third base, I straddled the line and made him run around me. Now, that's the story. Now, I asked him one day, and this is after he got into the Hall of Fame, and we were sitting talking. I said, what about that me uh, straddling the uh, line and making you run around? I said, did you see it that way? He says, no. What happened, I hit the home run, and he says, out of respect for you, I didn't know whether to run in front of you or behind you, so I took a couple of slow steps until you passed me because it happened to be the, the home run to win the ballgames in Philadelphia, and that's the true story. 
Bob Gibson was enshrined in Baseball's Hall of Fame in 1981. He joined us on this show in 2015. St. Louis Cardinals owner and CEO Bill DeWitt Jr. said of Gibson's death, quote, Bob Gibson was arguably one of the best athletes and among the fiercest competitors to ever play the game of baseball. Even during the time of his recent illness, Bob remained a strong supporter of the team and remained in contact with members of the organization and several of our players. He will be sorely missed. Pitcher Bob Gibson died Friday. He was 84. on the air, we'll meet Circus Harmony's young aerial contortionists and see how they're doing during this pandemic. We'll also discuss what happens when the president gets sick historically with Peter Castor, chair of Washington University's history department. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org, or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.